This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> The City Vent. You're listening to The City Vent. It's The City Vent. The City Vent. You are listening to The City Vent. Hello everybody and welcome to episode two of the City event. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name's Adam Williams and I'm with my co-host Chris, otherwise known as Dizzy Up The Guy. So hello Chris, how are you doing? I'm alright mate, how are you doing? How is, Good. It's been a crazy week, hasn't it? It's been a crazy week and an exciting week for us as well, which we'll go on to in a little bit. And good on recruitment and other bits and bobs. So just before we do get started, I just want to introduce us introduce the show. You can call that bit out. So it's going to be split over two parts today. The first part is going to be just the normal bits and bobs that we're going to go through. So we're going to speak about recruitment, including the lad that went over to Brighton, Sahil Bashir from our academy. We're going to speak about the uh, incomings, so Keen Harriet and Colin Doyle, and also speak a little bit about Levi Sutton signing the contract as well. We'll then do the quiz. That went down pretty well, not for Chris, but for everybody else. They quite like that one, so we think we'll do that one again. And also, if we've got any time left, we'll look at some predictions for the new teams coming up from the National League into League Two. But before we get started, I just want, I think Chris wants to thank a couple of people before we uh, begin. Yeah, I just want to thank, we've finally got our uh, jingle sorted out. Big message out to Good Citizens, Tom Nova. Thank you very much for letting us use that song. I think it sounds all right. Finally got a jingle. I mean, it's only our second episode, I suppose, but still, we've got our jingle sorted out. And guess as well, just a big thank you to all City fans as well, because we weren't sure how this was going to work last week. We we decided to just go for it on the pilot episode. And yeah, it, it's been really nice and we've had a lot of good responses and I hope you guys are going to enjoy it. And we're here to stay and as long as you want us, really. So yeah, thanks everyone for that. Yeah, just a touch of that has been really positive and actually quite touching in a way as well. Like everybody has been, you know, so welcoming of it. And I think people wanted this kind of thing for quite some time now. So we're happy that we seem to be doing the right thing. And hopefully over the weeks it will improve. Hopefully my sound quality is better uh, this week. So another shout out. Just thank you for the chap that sent me the uh, the microphone in the post because 
yeah, last week when we were listening back, it wasn't great, but you could still hear what we were saying, but hopefully this week is going to be um, a little bit clearer. So, yeah, getting into today's pod then, the first thing that we're looking to talk about is the recruitment. So there was some big news um, that went a little bit under the radar. Brighton signing um, one of our youngsters, Sahil Bashir, from the academy from a reported 250,000. Don't know if that's right or wrong. 16-year-old. Tell me what you know about him, Chris. Not a right lot, and I don't think anybody really does, do they? So it's come out of the blue. Apparently, the clubs have known about this for a few months. It's been agreed for a long time, but absolutely nothing. The only thing I've managed to find about him was that he scored five goals in a game for the, I think it was the under-18s. Yeah, I mean, 250 grand into the coffers. That You know, that's, that's going to be interesting where that's spent. Hopefully, that'll be spent on the transfer budget for the season. Sounds like, to me, it's a very similar deal to what Ollie McBurney, when he went to Swansea, so if if he's you know if he's good and hopefully he has a good career, then that could be more money coming to the club. I mean, we got what was it re- reported around about two million quid for um, Bernie. So if that if that creates a bit of money, especially after what I was saying last week about you know we don't have many youngsters. I mean, I know there's a lot of players that have gone to you know your Man United. Uh, you know, there's the potential there that they might not quite make it. But the, it, with this deal, it does sound like Brighton have got a lot of. They're spending a lot of money on him, so they've obviously got um, big ambitions for him. Absolutely, and you've, you've got to believe that there's going to be some add-ons in there for if he gets international appearances, if the 25% add-on fees, whatever it may be, uh, if he does move onwards. So we'll, I'll just watch that space, I guess. But like you touched on, have we spent that money already on maybe the compensation money for Derek Adams? You know, have we already spent it? Who knows? Uh, are, we, are we looking to bring some players in with that money? It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks with recruitment and see if we can see that, you know, in our budget for this this coming season, I guess. So, yeah, I, I don't think we, we can tell you a particular great deal about that at the moment, uh, but hopefully maybe the TNA might publish a little bit more or the club might come out with a statement as to, to what's going on with that one. So moving on, um, we'll speak. We'll talk about Levi Sutton to start with. I think this this one was probably leaked on Twitter a little bit before it happened. Some pictures of people circulating that were very pixelated, but it did look like Levi. Something I'm Delighted with personally. I really like him. He's got an engine. He seems to work so hard on the pitch. Thoughts on that one, Chris? Yeah, more than happy. I, I'm a big, big Levi fan. On his day in League Two, I think he's possibly, you know, one of the better players in this league by far. Uh, he works very hard. And yeah, I, I think genuinely on his day, I, I don't think there's, there's, there's many better midfielders. I'm not saying he's the best in, in this, this league, but I'm saying that when he's on it, he, he's fantastic for me. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of potential to kick on, uh, personally, Levi. I think he's got the sort of the raw elements required for a really good player. He likes to run forward with the ball. He's very positive thinking. I just think he's going to be one of these players that's going to have a really outstanding season, a bit like Josh Morris um, a few years ago. I think it was Scunny was that, wasn't it, when he had a proper, proper good se- season. Is that going to happen for Levi? I hope so. But is he a starting player, potentially, for us in League 2 uh, next season? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not too sure myself. I know towards the end of the season, probably for the last half a season, really, he's not held down that first eleven position. So it would be interesting to see what what happens with him. I do, I do like one thing though that he was talking in the interview with the club, and he said, "Well, when you were offered the deal, were you going to stay?" He said, "Absolutely." He said, "You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a Man United fan." Mark Hughes is one of my heroes, and my granddad the day that he signed, what me to bring in some. You know, Man United shirts to get them signed by Mark <laughs> Hughes. 
and he, he he sounded very very positive and said, "Listen, my job, you know, when I signed was to get us out of League Two. We ain't got there. I haven't finished my job. I want to stay at this club, and those are the kind of players that we need." We mentioned a little bit last week about you know we're missing a few leaders. Is it you know possible that Levi becomes a leader on the field? I think I think so, but he needs to build on where he was, I think, after, you know, the first season. We need to see that Levi again. I don't think we saw much of that last season as much as we did the previous season. I'd agree with that. I don't think he's had the same freedom that he had in that first season. You know, he used to just go away with the ball, carry it, have a real go with it. And I don't think we've seen the same player. He's been played a bit, you know, all over the place. He's a bit of a utility man, in fairness. You can put him anywhere on the pitch and he'll do a job for you. Um, so it will be really interesting to see what happens for Levi. What I will say is it's Sunday today when we're recording. And last night it was at Andy Cook's wedding. Um, I don't know if you've seen the videos or pictures, but if you if you haven't, take a look, guys. I think there's some that have been put on the hashtag, but I actually follow some of them on, uh, on Instagram and it's funny. Callum Cook was there, Levi Sutton, uh, Andy Cook, or Gilly as well. Gilly was there. But yeah, re- really funny uh, videos on there. If you, if you get a chance to watch them, City fans, have a look because it really tickled me. I really, do you know what? For me, and I, we were saying this on the last pod, we're from a working class environment. Most of us, um, Bradford's a working class city, and when you see lads just having fun on the beer, I, I really can connect with that personally. And I know everybody doesn't drink. Obviously, we're a multicultural city, but um, yeah, I just seen them having fun and just being lads. I just, I just love to see that. I don't, I don't know what you think about that one, Chris. But yeah, I, th- I thought it was Andy Cook doing his karaoke, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, singing away absolutely. <laughs> What a guy. I mean, I mean, like I said, probably slated him a little bit last week and he's not my idea of the, the best striker in League Two. But as a character, I mean, he's absolutely brilliant. In Singing karaoke at your own wedding, I mean, wow. Impressive. And it, and it shows you how much of a connection all, all four of those have as well. You, obviously, Callum's left the club now, but the, the, they were all travelling, weren't they, together from the northeast together. So it just goes to show that they, they have a bond together. A couple of them might be leaving, but we'll see. We'll see. Just to throw that one back at you a little bit, just to, just something that came across my mind there a little bit. It was just the four of them there, wasn't it, at Andy's wedding? Now, does that come across that there's maybe cliques in the club, players that get along with other players better or anything in that? I think you're probably right. I think that, obviously, they will spend the most amount of time together, won't they? You know, when they're doing the travelling, they will probably, you know, finish training and then travel back together. So you would imagine that there is that, they have got that bond together. So it doesn't massively surprise me. Regarding any of the other players, I don't know really. You don't, although Oscar Frelko, for instance, his, his wedding was the a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And I'm trying to remember the two that. players who were there for that, or a couple O'Donnell. of players there. O'Donnell, O'Donnell was there. And Watt, and Elliot Watt was there as well, the both of them. Um, so it's interesting. But the thing is, in workplaces, You'll have friends yourself that you get on with probably better than the rest of the workforce. It's one of the things, isn't it? I mean, is it a, is it a concern? Potentially not, but it, I just found it interesting that at those two weddings that you refer to, there were different people at them. Do we read too much into that? Maybe not, but uh, just something I noticed. So I just thought I'd mention it. So just moving on then from um, Levi then a little bit, speaking about the other signing that we made after him, Key and Harriet. Uh, on loan from town. You keep calling him Key and Harriet. It's Key and Harriet. Ah, there we go. There we go. You said Sorry, that mate. beginning as well, and I was like, "Shall I pick him out?" I thought, "No, I'll let him say it again." Do you know what? You can have a <laughs> cut it out. Or I'll uh, I'll say it again. Key and Harriet from Huddersfield Town. Now, for me, an absolutely brilliant signing. People on Twitter are saying, "Why is it a good signing?" If you look at what Port Vale fans are saying about him, 
nothing but good stuff. Um, he's a really, really exciting prospect. For one, he came over on the bus from Huddersfield, he got off and he kissed the badge. Now that, for me, <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it, Chris. Um, thoughts on him? Yeah, I got I got a few pelters on Twitter for this. I probably went a little bit overboard with us signing him, but I'm very excited about him. He's talking to, again, talking to one of my Huddersfield mates, unfortunately. They, they mentioned that he scored so many goals for their youth team. I know that doesn't mean masses amount, but they've got a lot of hope for him as well. He hasn't scored that many goals, I believe it or not. I think he scored five goals for Port Vale last season. He did come off the bench quite a lot. However, they really liked him. I know he scored a couple against Mansfield, I want to say it was. He also scored in the in the, in the uh, playoff final against Mansfield as well. I think he's a really, really exciting prospect and someone, yeah, I am quite excited about signing for the club. Port Vale fans were pretty gutted and they're going to be in League One. I suppose it's also a case of whether they could offer him League One football, which I don't think they could. So it's going to be an interesting year for him. I also look to see that he's out of contract next year or that he certainly stated that he's out of contract next year. So if he has a really good year at City, is there potential there? Obviously, he's still a young lad. Exciting. I, I really am. It's not a player that I thought we would be signing in this summer. And yeah, I think it's the kind of player that we've been talking about that we're bringing in these younger lads who have got lots of potential and we're bringing them in and it's fantastic. Great signing. Absolutely fantastic. And making a loan signing so early doors uh, in the transfer window is quite unusual, I think. Uh, usually when you sign your loan player, it seems to be a little bit later on because they're looking at what options they've got and things like that. So he was keen to come to our club. We wanted him. And we made it happen. And I just love that. I love that sense of urgency that the club's got. People might think, is it rushing into signings? Are we trying to just get the players before they sign elsewhere? But I don't think it is. I think we've got a strategy for going for these young players that are hungry to do well. And we're getting the ones that we want. And he, for me, next season, I'm going to say it on here, he's going to score 20-plus goals in League Two for me next season. I'm going to I'm going to make that prediction. I really am. Big you, fan of him from what I've seen. You need to put that on Twitter because you might get the same pelters that I were getting. Probably not, I'm, I'm more well-liked than you, so... <laughs> well, some, somebody said that I'd, I'd compared him to Ronaldo, and I absolutely yeah. didn't. I didn't compare it to Ronaldo. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I, I did get a little bit overexcited. I'm not going to lie. I did. Just, I just think he's a great prospect, and whether he'll get that, those 20 goals, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. It, but it, the only player who can do that is himself. So let's see what happens. And yeah, do you know what? Another... Nine out of ten signing for me so far. Uh, it's very, you know, we said eight out of ten last week. We're quite happy. I think we're building. I expect, you know, I think we're probably going to sign three or four more players, maybe five. I don't know. I'd probably say four. We need another central defender. There's, you know, no dispute in that. We need maybe a, maybe another midfielder. Definitely two strikers, I think, maybe. However, I'll tell you one position that we don't need anymore, Adam, and that's Trump. goalkeeper. Well, because... well yeah. yes, drum roll for this one. Colin Doyle has come home, and I'm absolutely delighted about this because he never wanted to go in the first place. We didn't want him to go in the first place. His missus didn't want him to go in the first place. His kids didn't want him to go in the first place. He's back where he belongs. And you, I might, you might say, well, he doesn't really belong here, but he does to me. Um, it was part of a, a really successful team. He really bought into Bradford as a city and what it means to be a Bradford City player. And do you know what? He was a really good goalkeeper as well. He, he's, 
He's been slated a bit as Doyle, and we mentioned this on the last podcast. A lot of people were saying like he wasn't good enough and things like that, but he was. He was a really, really strong, and he was a leader as well. He's a really strong character and a leader. And for me, he's played internationally. I don't know if you've seen the clips that the clubs released, but he played against Mbappe for Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. So you brought this. We've brought this keeper in from Southampton with a role model like Doyle behind you. It's going to be good, isn't it? He's going to be a really good, good character and a good leader for them to have. He's played everywhere. You know, he's played in the, in the Championship, Premier League. I think did he play Premier League for Birmingham? If he maybe, maybe might think, come off the bench. Might have been second fiddle a little bit, but internationally, he's played against some of the best players in the world. He's the man that you want, I think, in that position. I know some people are saying, why didn't we keep Richard O'Donnell in place if we were going to do a similar thing? But um, is it apples and apples you're comparing? I'm not quite sure. I think that international experience that Collins had is a little bit more for me in that role. And I think Richard probably wants to play a little bit more maybe before he does that. I don't know what you think about that. I'll, I'll pass it over to you now. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you about Colin Doyle. lives in Bingers. He... He loves the club, and you know he's talked openly. His his wife's talked openly about how gutted they were that they had to leave the club. He looks absolutely elated, doesn't he? When you know when you watch him in his in the interview, he just looks like home. He's happy. His kids are happy. I know. Was it his his wife put that message about his son and how desperate she was for dad to come home and he'd made a promise but it's also the fact that he's got um he's got that role as well as, as goalkeeper coach obviously we've we've changed our goalkeeper coach i want to say that he's been here for a few years i can't remember his name and i apologize john, for that john vaughn maybe john it is vaughn. john vaughn yes you're right yeah. it's john vaughn yeah and obviously i don't know what's happened there but Collins come in, he knows he won't be playing much. You know, he playing very sporadically, very, very much so. I think in the last two years, I think he's only played something like 10 games. And But it's that experience that we were talking about last week again, isn't it? We're talking about we need some of these experienced heads to come into the club. Mentioned Charlie Adam, we mentioned Jay Spearing. Maybe Colin Doyle's that man. Maybe he's the one who comes into the dressing room and is able to build these young lads and it's exciting it's good to have him home absolutely it does and it adds to this feeling that I've got that the club really seems to be doing things right at the moment uh, some people might say are we right and wrongs a little bit by getting him back in I don't think so I think it's a good time for him to come in is it that age in his career when he maybe wants to progress onto the, the coaching side of things and I think it's ideal uh, somebody tweeted about well if you're bringing Doyle back why don't you bring Billy Clark back and I just don't think it's the same sort of thing I really don't. So I think it's very exciting. I think, you know, let's see where we go from here, see who else we're bringing. But I do think we need some more leaders, uh, more in midfield and, and beyond. Um, so that's it really about the recruitment talks, unless there's anything else from you, Chris. It's just let's wait along and see what's going to happen. Like I said, I, I'm hoping for a couple, you know, three or four new signings. Let's see what happens and let's see where they fit in. And And I'm hoping that maybe by next week we might have a better idea of, what kind of team we're going to be looking at? You know, are we going to be going for a lot more younger players? Is that new the new plan? And it's, it's see, uh, I know again, you know, it sounds like we're all getting a bit over ahead of ourselves, but I can't knock the transfer window so far at all. Let's let's see after the first game though. Let's see what happens after that, and then we'll build from there. Absolutely agree. I think we'll just see where we go from here. See who else we bring in. I think, like you said, four or five more, probably about right. But I do think we needed definitely a central midfielder. I think what's gone, personally. I think that's a really key position, somebody really solid. 
a really solid centre back. Just that core in your team, that spine. And then I think fullbacks were pro- probably sorted. I would have probably liked a little bit more pace at fullback, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, we might need another one on the left side, maybe. But we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yes, that's that's it on recruitment from both of us. The next part of the show will be the um, quiz feature that we have renamed Quizzy uh, Up The Guy, uh, which I absolutely love. Shout out to Andy Carr for that one, uh, who helps us with bits and bobs with the show. So thank you for that. Absolutely love it. So we'll get into the quiz right now. So, Chris, number one today, are you ready for it? Right, could I just mention something as well? People have not let it down, and I do not blame them. I cannot believe I got that question wrong. Do you know something? I'll never get it wrong again. Good. I hope you never forgive yourself either, because, yeah, it was uh, was a bad on that, mate. You know, we're starting this podcast out, really doing his best to make it a success, and you uh, you get one of the most important questions wrong. On the first (laughs) question. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, yeah. Everything was just, like, wrong about that. But you know what? I think it's important for me to say right now that maybe I don't know as much about football, but I'm going to try. But it was nice that um, the viewers were listening in and also telling us what their scores were. And I think, did someone get eight out of ten? Uh, yeah, and I don't know how that was possible uh, without Googling. So, yes, just to point this out, you cannot use Google um, as a tool. This quiz, if you are uh, playing along at home, just do it off the top of your head, please. Don't cheat. Tell us your actual honest scores. We're not going to think you're any less of a City fan. Uh, maybe you can you can say that about Chris, that's fine. But anybody else, uh, send, your, send your scores in and don't worry about it. So, number one in today's quiz. Who scored the first goal in the League Two playoff final in 2013 between Bradford City and Northampton? Oh, um, it's got to be Naki. It's not Naki, it's James ah, Hansen. Because Naki, um, Naki got two though that game. It didn't, mate. You're having a Mary already. It didn't. Um, Rory scored. Rory, Rory scored. scored. Rory and Naki did. Naki scored can, at the back post. I can tell you we were um, three 0 <laughs> up after 27 minutes. If that's we any were, good. we were, and we were already enjoying ourselves by then. Um, but yeah, Hansen scored like a looping header. I don't know if yeah, you can see it in your head now. I think I um, did Nathan Nathan Doyle put it across? Maybe and it's the one anyway. where he's going like that. Yeah. Or was that for Rory? was that for Rory? Anyway, yeah. Gary, Tom- Gary Thompson. It was Gary Thompson that flicked it, uh, that crossed it in, and he scored. Uh, Doyle's uh, set up the McArdle goal. So there we go. A bit of knowledge from me there. Maybe we should switch roles next time. Well, I um, was thinking actually, but anyway, <laughs> I might not put myself into that. Um, so out of the frying pan into the fire and all that. So the next question: uh, What is the population of Bradford to the nearest tens of thousands? Because it's quite difficult to get it exactly. So the population of Bradford to the nearest tens of thousand. I I use the Bradford government website for this. If anybody wants the uh, the reference, oh, I'm not I'm not going to get this right because I'm never good with populations. And you don't live in Bradford, so there you go. I'm going to go with two hundred and fifty thousand. Unfortunately, you're incorrect there. Um, you're probably about half short, roughly, give or take. So the nearest tens of thousands we'd be looking for is 540,000. So if you got that right, fair play. Uh, but I think the exact figure on the, the government website was 536,986. Oddly enough, though, in 2011, it was about 320 or something. So it's been a oh, massive that's increase. That's where um, I'm getting it from. So hopefully we'll have more City fans. Uh, so if you look at that growth, City will yeah. grow at the same time. And funnily enough, if you look at season tickets, how it's increased, it's kind of followed that trajectory. So yeah, there you go. maybe the people of Bradford are buying into it. Hey, you know what? That's a little bit of stato there for uh, there all go. the uh, fans. 
There we go. There we go. So, um, question three. Who scored our winning goal in the FA Cup final win in 1911? Oh, come on. It's... Um... What's his name? It wasn't, but I'm going to guess it anyway. Pretty sure it wasn't Harry Potter, but I can't. It, it wasn't, but he did, he did play for Bradford City. Um, the answer is Jimmy Spears. And again, it, it should be something you know as a City fan. Yeah. I'm sure people are sat at home shaking their heads saying, this guy, get him off. Get him yeah. off the field, Campbell. Get him walking. So, yeah. so I, Unfortunately, I, was, I wasn't there that day. We weren't. You weren't born, even though you look like you might have been. But you weren't, just to confirm to uh, people that are listening and watching along. So uh, the next question, uh, number four. Who did we famously sign Colin Doyle from for a fee of £1 in 2016? So, who did we famously Blackpool. sign Colin Doyle from Blackpool. for a fee of £1 2016? Yes, it is Blackpool. Good answer. So, is that that's one out of that's four one. so far? That's one. The build, I'm coming Can't back. <laughs> okay. So, which Bradford singer had a hit with Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Elton John in 1976? I'll, I'll read that out again while Chris is shaking his head because he hasn't got a clue. <laughs> Which Bradford singer had a hit with Don't Go Breaking My Heart with Elton John in 1976? Oh, oh. Um, He's Googling it. I can see it in his glasses reflection. Hands there. Go on. Kiki D. It is Kiki D. Well done. Oh. Do you know what? We might need a bit of VIR here, guys, because I, I think he might have Googled that one. But you know what? We'll let him have it. Two out of five. Two out of five. It just came to me. Kiki D, of course. Kiki D. Don't go breaking my heart. There we go. I'm not singing again. Um, so number six. This is an interesting one. Who scored Bradford's last competitive goal this season? And you get a bonus point if you can tell me the game and the team we played. Say that one again. Sorry. Apologise. Say that again. Hands Brad here. Who scored Bradford's last competitive goal this season? Competitive goal. I can't even remember who we played on last game of the season. It's gone. It has gone. And it's in the past. But, have a go. Who do you think? It's Jeez, who was it? Who was the last game? I can't even think who the last game was. I, I genuinely can't. Have a guess out of 23 teams. Just tell I know. Me. I just, I just can't. Um... I'm going to count you down. Tell me the player first of all. Five, four, three, two. One. Andy Cook, and it's not Andy Cook. I can't even think. My brain is gone. I cannot okay. even remember the last Don't game. Of the so the last game of the season was Carlisle at home. Oh yes. And the scorer was Jamie Walker. Yes. And they got that evasion, didn't he, as well? Which uh, famously. Yeah, because I instead. wasn't there. It was it was the only home game I wasn't there because it was my sister's birthday and I had to go do some fur. Ridiculous. Well, I'd say don't worry, but do because you're two out of six at the minute and we're on the seventh <laughs> question. So worry, worry. you're going to get some numbers again. Honestly, mate. just could not think. So <laughs> number seven, you might know this one. Chris Waddle had a short-lived but memorable career at Bradford City, but who did he sign from? It was a. Who did he sign from? It was a Scottish club. And it was Falkirk. It was Falkirk. That's a very good answer. I wasn't expecting you to get that one. So well done. Very good Bradford City knowledge there. So that's three out of seven at the moment. Number eight. 
If you don't get this, I'm not going to be happy with you. Oh, God. What is the current price for a standard adult season ticket at Bradford City? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get this. With this campaign that we've had, you've got to get it. Five, four, three, two, 220. One. 220. It's wrong again, guys. I can't remember. I've got it on direct debit. It's, this is a standard one as well. Standard adults ticket at Bradford City is £198 um, this well, season. You'll have to tell Ryan about that because uh, he obviously yeah. has been um, advertising it enough because <laughs> I haven't even looked at how much it is. I'll just put it on the direct debit. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm, not, thought you... I'm not even embarrassed about that one. I just don't know. <laughs> I would be because it's been all over Twitter, all over Facebook, like for the last months and months. But there we go. Worry about it. It's already bought. So there we go. So you pay no attention. 198 pounds, which is one of the cheapest in the football league, and it's very, very good value for money. So just shout out to the club for keeping the prices very, very good uh, for us fans. So three out of eight so far. Number nine. What colour was the car Stuart McCall fell from in the promotion celebrations oh, in 1999? So just while Chris was mourning there, the year was 1999, and it was what colour was the car that Stuart fell off? It was either one of two. I'm going to go with red. It was red. It was red. Um, yeah, like a dark sort of burgundy red. Very, very famous video. If nobody's seen it, I'm sure you have. Um, I don't know where you've been if you haven't. Um, I, was if, there, if not, I was there for that. There you go. 1999 promotion. Yeah. Um, so take a look at it on YouTube. So Stuart McCall falling from a car and he didn't spill um, a drop of his no. beer as well. And that's confirmed. Didn't happen. So there you go. <laughs> so number 10, last question that Chris will be uh, thankful of. So we've got four at the minute, four out of nine. Who has... The most international caps whilst playing for Bradford City. So while they were playing for the club, who has the most caps for their country? Ooh. And you get a bonus point for how many caps that is. Oh, God. I'm, do I go... It's either one or two. And I'm going to go with Cesspod. I'm not making a face yet. I'm going to wait for your answer on caps. And I'm going to go with 32. Well, you're totally wrong on Cesspod anyway, but I just wanted to keep you going a little bit. <laughs> I was just thinking because obviously, you know, yeah, yeah but never Do you know mind. What? This, this surprised me a little bit. It's Omar Daly. And he got right. 54 okay. caps for Jamaica whilst playing for Bradford City. So there wow. you go. I was impressed with that. Um, that I wasn't expecting it. But I think some people might get that because if you were following City around the time, you'll know that it was, you know, uh, on international duty quite a lot with Donovan as well. So, yeah, all my daily. Um, and he had 54 caps. So that's did, our quiz yeah. done for today. I did want to go I did want to go with Donovan, but then I thought, no, because I think, you know, I, I mentioned it last week. I thought there's no way you're going to mention it this week. But yeah, I thought says Pod. I thought you might have done, um, but never mind. Well, don't worry, mate. Four out of ten. Um, I'd take an improvement on last week, but it wasn't. Uh, you got, you got, you got, you got less. <laughs> and, and I think they're actually quite easy questions as well. But there we go. Yeah, you do because you've got the answers. I have got the answers, but this is never going to be a rose reverse because I couldn't cope with it. So, anyway, thank you for those that have played along with uh, Quizzy Up the Guy this week, and I hope you've done better than Chris. 
Uh, so yeah, the, sec- the next part of the, se- the show is just looking at some predictions for the teams that are coming up from uh, the National League to League Two next season. So we've got Stockport County and we've got Grimsby Town. So just between me and Chris, we're going to give you a prediction of where we think they're going to finish next season, how we think they're going to do. I'll start with you, Chris, and then you can fire it back to me. So Stockport and Grimsby. Stockport will be in, I believe, will be in the top seven. I really do. And Grimsby, I think, will be uh, about 14th. Interesting. I was really looking forward to hopefully Solihull coming up. And I think I was in a minority there because Grimsby is a decent away day. But I've got some friends that live in Solihull, so a little bit gutted for him. And that striker is mahusive. Yeah. I really wanted to see him play in the Football League next season. We might still see him, um, but I really wanted to see him just so we could look and think, wow. Um, Kai Goodlin, he was linked with pretty much every club, including Man City at one point, because he's like, he's absolutely, he's like, he's like Kevin Francis for his, you know, how tall he is and everything. Um, but yeah, he was, he was linked last summer with, with Man City. I, I think we'll see him in the, in, in the league next season. Yeah, even bigger than Big Sticks, if you look at the uh, stats as well. So, to make a reference closer to home, yeah, Big Sticks, Ian Ormond taller than him. So, if you can get your head around that, there you go. For me, I think Stockport are going to be top 10. I think they might struggle a little bit as the season moves on with the fitness demands. It's a little bit of a step up in that in that regard. Although, National League's been brilliant this, this last season. Grimsby, I think they will finish out of the top 10 somewhere. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say Stockport, ninth, Grimsby, 15th next season. I know usually you see him come up a little bit and do quite well, but I can't quite see it. I think if Wrexham had it done, we might see more. Looking forward to playing Stockport. I think it'll be a really good game. And they'll bring loads and the away day will be good as well. So, But well done to Grimsby for coming up on Stockport. And we look forward to playing you both next season. Yeah, it's just been confirmed, just as we, because that would have been quite embarrassing if Solihull <laughs> has got the last second of vote. Grimsby at the second have just been promoted. So that's, uh, yeah, I, do you know what? Well played, well played to Grimsby after, you know, they were shocking last year when they were fighting on the pitch at Bradford. Don't forget, Maurice and I can't remember the other player it was who was fighting. He's, he's turned it around as the manager. So, yeah, well done, well played. Exactly, and well played Marais as well for fighting with the City player and then getting a gig on the uh, Radio Leeds commentary team as well. So that's the way to do it, guys. Just kick off, yeah. you know, get absolutely. sent off and, uh, you know, do us a favour in a game and we'll get you on our commentary team. So there we go. So thank you for listening to part one of our show today. Um, we're going to move on to the second part, which is a very special guest going to be joining us. I'm not going to tell you much about the guest at the moment, but they are a very, very good one and we're impressed with it for the first, only the first show that we've done. We're looking to do this as much as we can. So if you've got any links to any ex-staff or any players you can get us in touch with and get them on, we want to hear from anybody like that that's been connected with the club. Um, but yes, thank you very much for listening so far and we look forward to seeing you in part two. It's Boo from Swindon. Stop and listen. It's a city event. So thank you for joining the second part of the City event and we've got a very special guest with us uh, for the second part. It is Ryan Sparks, the CEO of Bradford City since November 2020. So welcome Ryan, thank you for joining us. Evening guys. Thank you for coming on. It's not often that you get a CEO or chairman of a football club um, agreeing to come on these podcasts so it is very much appreciated. Um, there's not many at all um, across football that do it so we really do appreciate you coming on here today. No problem. Um, Thank you. Um, so we've got quite a few questions we want to get through. Uh, and then if you want to give us any information, you can, any exclusives, we're here for it. 
the first one um, that I wanted to ask you, Ryan, if you don't mind, is the plan for the club going forward. So it's something that you touch on quite a lot in interviews, but I think that fans might want like a clearer picture of what the vision involves that you allude to in the interviews. What is it, the vision um, that you have at Bradford City? Well, I mean, I'm very passionate about our model, you know, and um, and our model versus other models, um, and to be ultimately successful on the field in that model. It bursts a lot of it around growth, you know, of all areas of the business. You know, when I took over, I felt there were multiple departments that weren't really scratching the surface of where they could be, and that's been proven since since then. You know, we've we've grown the club, and the turnover is increasing, in in all areas, and. And really, ultimately, feeding into the bigger picture, I want to have the best team we can on the grass. I want to have the best manager we can get. And I want to have the best facilities. And all that feeds into... But you have to have a business uh, that can support that. Or what event, all that will ultimately happen is you will have a good season, have one more after that, run out of money, go backwards. It has to be constantly coming through. Um, a big area of that is the youth department. You know, the way in which we trade players uh, from sort of our junior level up through the first team, more assets in the first team. Um, it's, 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 it's quite a bigger pitch. You know, there's there's a lot to it. Um, a key part of it was in, in for, ensuring the staff at the club were the right people to take the departments forward. You know, we've made a number of appointments. Uh, some serious, talented people have come into the business in the last 18, 24 months. I believe the club's seen the fruit of that. Um, and I'd like to think that in 12 months' time, we'll be having a different conversation about the football side of the business following another big appointment in that area. Interesting. Um, so in regards to that, um, just sort of asking you a question on top of that, youth yeah. seems to be a big focus at Bradford City. So to me, looking at the recruitment that's been done so far, um, so early on, a lot of the players are very young. Um, so is this a new Bradford City looking at young players? I mean, I don't know how much you can answer on that, but I just thought I'd ask you that one. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think that's really what we've gone for. I think we've gone, there is some quality in that experience. You know, I think, yeah, I'm young myself and I, and I get that often my, my own way, but when, I've worked in sport for 10 years and the players that we've brought in have been around it for a number of years. You know, you've just, in, 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 in Kean Harrett and Jake Younger, I'm sure you'll point out, you've got two promotion winners from this season. No one's concerned about how old they are. Um, however, you know, what I will say is the average age of the squad will still be, you know, twenty mid-20s up, I would imagine. You know, we, we, we haven't done yet. We're not done. Um, we want experience in key areas and, you know, we've, we've studied quite a lot, um, the sort of seven teams in this division from last season, the amount of start adding all the teams. If you do that work yourself, it's quite, it makes quite interesting reading and it's not perhaps what you think. However, there are some teams up the top end who've got m thousands of appearances, you know, in their squads. So what I can tell you is at the moment with the players we have secured, we're, we're well and truly in that mix already in terms of where we need to be. Um, we actually had the second most experienced squad in the division last season and that got us 14th position. Although I do feel there were more to that than than that, uh, to say the least. But uh, I think you understand what I mean. So, you know, while we're mindful, there are some that they're coming. These players have been signed for a reason, not because we were just looking to pick anybody up. Uh, there will be other younger players coming in and there'll be some older ones as well. You mentioned earlier on about facilities, obviously getting better facilities. And it's obviously a conversation Bradford City fans have quite a lot, that, you know, that the facilities at the school. Now, as good as they are, and I do know that they are good, and I know that yourself have mentioned many a times that you, you're more than happy with that. But are there any other plans for other facilities? Maybe even, I know it's, it's a pipe dream, and of course it is, but it's something that you're going to get asked. Is there a potential that we might be looking at some other facilities, our own facilities in Bradford? 
Um, well, there's two answers to that question, really. Well, there's three. Our relationship with Woodhouse Grove is very, very strong. You know, it was it started over 10 years ago and it's very strong. You know, I, I went there myself, so we've, there's a bit of a natural connection. Uh, I speak to the headmaster a lot. And one of the areas of focus for us, obviously, is the academy. And the academy facilities are not fit for purpose currently. And there is a massive project going on down there at the moment, which will take them to, in my opinion, cat to potential level. Uh, not that that's required either, but it's there if you need it. Bigger picture, you know, and 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 the guys down there, we've discussed it ourselves. As, as we go through the divisions, which is obviously the plan, we're mindful that we would like to enhance our facilities. And if that was to ever mean leaving Woodhouse Grove, then I'm sure that would be a conversation we'd have. But there are there are conversations ongoing all the time at the moment with the council who have been very forthcoming. I must admit, in the last six months, I've felt a, a point of difference from... Uh, the big hall down there in the town and uh, there's some new people, some new blood coming into that, into that building. And I think that's very, very interesting. Certainly from my point of view, having worked at uh, Featherstone previously where Wakefield Council are heavily involved in the sporting landscape of that area, but no, they, they get it, you know, and, and, and there are conversations there around facilities, stadia, um, where they, where we need to be seen. You know, I asked a simple question where, what is the strategy for professional sport in Bradford? I asked that question to the council uh, I have an answer for that, which I didn't have at the start. Um, and, 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 and you know, they obviously see us as a big asset. So, no, I think it's early days to be saying, are we building anything? Um, it would be wrong of me to say that, you know, in my role, I'm constantly looking at every element we can improve all the time, uh, big and small. And that is a big one. Um, but, you know, certainly my team, since we've been in charge, we've, we've, I think we've enhanced Valley Parade massively in various areas in and out. It was a bit of a dump, to be honest with you, if we're being blunt about it. Uh, we take a lot of pride in it. And um, it's certainly something we won't hold back on either, you know. Yeah, again, you mentioned about the ground. Is obviously, the uh, you know, the lease is coming up in the next, is it three to four years? Five. Is five um, years. But are we looking at extending that? Are we looking at potentially... Uh, being able to purchase the ground is I know that you've been talking to Gordon Gibb, you've got quite a good relationship with him. So is is the outlook positive for Valley Parade is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean I think it is is undoubt undoubtedly positive. Um it's a big part of us and it, I think it always will be. Look, it's very early to start talking about where we see the stadium lease agreement. That's extremely confidential, you know what I mean? And the conversations between myself and Stefan are ongoing about that. And, and you know, I talk to Gordon fairly regularly, to be honest, and I have had chats with him about it. But it's a long way away. But, but again, please don't think it's off the radar. It very much is on the radar, uh, as is most things, yeah. So looking at the youth players, uh, very successful uh, this season. They've done very well uh, winning the league. Um, so yeah. youth players offered contracts. I'm sure that has happened. Um, when will we know who the, the, those players are and uh, how many of those players have we offered contracts to? Uh, there's multiple, actually. I'd say about half a dozen. Uh, some of the conversations are still ongoing. Some of them have been concluded. Um, one of the boys that we would like to recruit, obviously, will be a part of our, goal, our new goalkeeping structure um, for the first team, which will give the guy a real chance, you know, a pathway to progress. Um, I felt, you remember when we had George Strikes Kenworthy at the club, I just felt his path was constantly blocked in terms of development. Um and now we have an opportunity with Colin coming in as a sort of number two number. He'll push number one, don't doubt, but he'll be ultimately easier to coach the goalkeepers. He will have so much experience, and certainly with Harry coming in as well from Southampton, 
uh, for the young guy coming through. But yeah, well, we've got some good players. Um, I'm really pleased with the guys that have, you know, for the 19s and all the staff. There's a huge amount of work gone into it. Um, I've been very passionate from the start about the way I see the academy, uh, the way you know I believe fully believe you can trade players to the top of the uh, pyramid. You can generate revenue and you can still win trophies at academy level and provide a secondary pathway into your first team in the in the meantime. And I think you know that's been proven this season. Um, we've over half a million pound in player sales from that area since I took over, and and now we have um, a trophy for the 19s. So I'm, I'm obviously pleased with the direction of travel on that. You know, like with anything, there is more work to do on it, and uh, we certainly won't be stopping at where we're at. You know, facilities-wise, I think it'll be a massive help. Um, what we're going to do in the next six months, and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about Colin Doyle and obviously the new goalkeeper structure, a decision that's been long thought about, and just just the feel that we needed to do something a little bit different. Is that something that's been a difficult decision to make? I don't think any decision is difficult. You know, when you change things, it can be difficult. Um, we've decided to go in a different direction for next season and beyond. And obviously bringing uh, Harry in from Southampton, we've, we've cleared things up um, in terms of we've, we've changed the look of our goalkeeping department. And, 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 and we'll see how that, how, how that pans out. It's obviously a conversation between them, myself, the manager and Glenn and Stephen about how we saw it going forward and, you know, we're on the same page with it. We think it's going to uh, help us and, uh, and you know, look, Colin Colin knows the football club and the last time he was, at, you know, involved at the club, we were, we were at Wembley. So, he knows how to win. He knows what's required and he understands the fabric. And, you know, while, while it's not really, um, I don't think it's normal to have you know a dressing room full of former players you know that that is more of a pipe dream than, than a reality it doesn't hurt to have people that understand uh, around the business you know and there are a number of the players in the team that if you cut them in half they would probably bleed claret and amber so and that to that towards is crucial this one is about some news that's broke potentially on the Brighton side of things for Sahil Ibrahim um the potential sale um, of one of the young players yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. Um, so, can you tell us anything about that, or is it under wraps at the moment? Because it's nothing being um, published as far as the club's concerned. I don't think. Yeah, no, it's not part of our policy to discuss the younger players and, and their and their moves. You know, obviously, Sarhill's a player that has come through the ranks at the football club, and there are, you know, right now there are a handful of Premier League clubs interested in half a dozen of our players. It's just the way the market's changing, you know, and. And it's positive for, for our football club. It's, it's um, great opportunities for the guys who can step up. And it's great opportunity for the football club to grow and develop. And, you know, Brexit's played a key part in that. Uh, clubs in, in, in the Premier League can't recruit as they was, as they once could from Europe uh, due to the, the GBE laws and visas and whatnot. So um, it, makes our, uh, it makes the academy players at League 1, League 2 level very, very attractive. So the, the market is changing dramatically, yeah. And at what point does a player become a saleable asset when it when they're in your youth system? Like, at what age does that happen? Because obviously, I think he's under sixteen. So, can you tell us a bit about that for people that don't know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, really. We, we you know we meet quarterly um, from a technical perspective for the academy, and, and when we do meet, there are you know in in, a, in each year group, there are the players are categorised you know in in terms of where they are, um, and and and. It's a difficult question to answer, really, because you know you're in danger of talking like something like a car salesman. You know, I think it's more more a case of you know when 
when we feel that that player's path perhaps is blocked, there is interest in him and we can't deliver that uh, currently where we are without a 23s or whatever that would look like, then we have to do what we think is right for the football club, but also right for the player. Um, and, and, and ultimately that's, you know, we, we're all kind of responsible for feeding the game as well, you know, with, with, with talent. Um, but in terms of when they become a saleable asset, I think it's just, it's, to be honest, when the interest is there, you know, we don't actively sell our players. We've got no reason to, we don't have to, we don't need to, but, um, you know, the phone is the phone is always ringing about players from as low as 12, 13 upwards. Yeah. So maybe I need to reword the question. Sorry. I mean, in regards to like when do they sign a contract at, at sort of certain ages with Bradford? So when like 12, 13, 14. And then if they're yeah. a Bradford player, that's when it can command a fee. Is that right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. You know, once okay. it's through the triple P rules. So however long the player has been with the club is a factor. Um but equally, it, is, it can be a it is a case of what that the value of that player is, and and that and and like any market, like a housing market, like um, fuel markets, it's it's on demand and it's on what the prices are elsewhere. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we've we've never stopped stopped a player from progressing should they have wanted to, um, you know, and and we've we've got very good relationships across with the Premier League clubs. Any other recruitment news that you can share with us? So um, maybe not looking at specifics, but are we expecting any new signings and contracts maybe next week or the week after? It's been very impressive so far. I'm sure a lot of City fans that are listening to this will agree. Uh, me and Chris are very impressed and happy with, with how the recruitment's gone so far. But are we getting on? Uh, plan on getting more done um, and through the door before we go on the trip to Alicante? And again, this is another question for you. So there's quite a lot to answer there. But when uh, will the dates be released for that? And Chris will ask you a question about Alicante as well, I'm sure. After. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, undoubtedly, there'll be more recruitment uh, before then, in and out, I would imagine. Um, that's certainly the plan. Um, so, so certain deals take longer than, longer than others. Um, you know, for example, Kean's deal um, was has been in the pipeline for, for six to eight weeks, you know, if I'm honest. Um, that's not because we saw him do well at Wembley. We were at Wembley watching him and a couple of other players as well. And um, but but he, that was a conversation with between us and Huddersfield just prior to Stephen's um, arrival at the club. So and you know when Stephen came in, he was very passionate that Kean Harrett needed to become a Bradford City player. And as you saw in the semi-final and the final, he was probably right uh, to say the least. And you know the the boy's character is infectious. So no, there'll definitely be more recruitment. Some of it is done, some of it is close, some of it isn't. There are certain days where you make huge strides, and there are certain days where you have some setbacks, and there are many factors you know involved in that. So yeah, certainly more people coming in. You know, our plan is to have the squad ultimately built as far as possible by the pre-season camp, which I believe is the first week or the second week in July. I'll, sorry, I'll also check that. But yeah, that's that's when we're going. So. We'd like yeah. to think just after the Park Avenue game. But again, it's like anything. The guys will start on the 23rd of June. Uh, they'll assess things. They'll look at what we've got. And um, I'm sure they'll feed back to me and Stephen as to where we may need to um, sharpen our pencil or tighten a few bolts and whatever. And when you say we're going, I just want to ask this um, for a sit event exclusive. Does that mean we, as in us that are here today, uh, Ryan, are we, are we invited along to the, the co-commentary team? Or? You're more than welcome to go. I'm not sure what you're like, if you really want. <laughs> yeah. well, I you've heard that. No one else will. 
you hope you're saying, but we're, but we're welcome, Chris. That, that's enough. Um, so welcome <laughs> to join the Malacom. Yeah, so yeah. I, just, just on that point, I mean, it's obviously we're laughing and joke about it, but um, are fans welcome to travel across? Is there going to be any idea of any games happening over there? Or is it just a training camp? Well, it's a little bit early to say. We, we, we hope, I'd like to think we can have some kind of open training session. We probably won't be playing because we're due to play um, a home game when we get back. So there's no real reason to have a match in the middle. It will just affect the friendly um, and put and put load on players that could ultimately cost us. So um, it, I think a really there's an opportunity. You know, Mark and Glenn were very passionate about it when they came in about getting away overseas, freshening things up. Um, big for morale, I think. Big for a, a relatively new look squad to gel um, away from the UK for a little while. And then when we get back, just continue with the process. Very short pre-season, to be fair, boys. You know, it's for it. You're looking at it now and you're thinking, yeah. by the time we started, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. We're only two or three weeks from the start of pre-season now. And three to four weeks after that, we're going to be thinking about game one. So it's going to come thick and fast. And if I'm honest, you know, I'm ready for it. Yeah, it just sounds quite exciting. And like you're right, I mean, obviously this season we've had to, you know, start really early. It just feels like, you know, we've only just seen Grimsby go up and all of a sudden, you know, for them as well, they're only going to have a few weeks. I just want to go on to um, Stefan, really. And, um, you know, he does get a lot of criticism from fans because obviously he, you know, he doesn't talk much. But again, Ryan, that's why he pays you so that you could be the spokesman. Obviously, we talk about Wagme. And th there was the rejection of the deal. A lot of fans were quite angry about it. However, if you read in the last couple of days, maybe it wasn't the worst idea. Do you feel that with Stefan, with the fact that he's had that bid come in, that there's a little bit more of a, a change in, in wanting to get more involved with the But do you feel that he is still wanting to own the club and, and build us, take us forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a given, you know, it's his business at the end of the day. Of course, he's... I can assure you, if he didn't, then, you know, my phone would be a lot quieter. Obviously, what you guys don't see is that we speak quite a lot, you know, on various subjects. Um, but it's not, let's be straight, it's a very, very valuable football club to own. It's a football club that is, in my opinion, very well run. It doesn't make massive losses very often, if at all. Um, it's extremely attractive to investors. There are numerous approaches for the football club. Not, not, not many of them get anywhere near because, the, the, you know, they don't get past due diligence or they, they don't even make offers. But there is always expressions of interest. You know, I get a call every other week, every other month. What's the club? What? How much would the club be? You know. So, but that doesn't mean that the owner's looking to sell it. Um, I think if you clear, if you look at um, where we are now, and you know, Stefan's commitment to me is all I'm is all I really need to do my job. It's there. You know, he. We speak clearly about the budget. We know where we can push it to and where we might need to push it to even further if we need to. And ultimately, that would boil back down to him. So, you know, if, if he wasn't um, committed to that, then um, he would just simply tell me to cut the cloth to the point where we could, where we don't have any risk and we probably wouldn't have any ambition of, you know, pushing forward. I, think, I, th I don't think um, anyone can question the ambition of a club, really, if I'm honest, in the last 12 months. You know, we've appointed... A promotion winning manager and now we've appointed Mark Hughes and we're trying to piece together a bigger budget than last season and as as you saw with last season not the biggest budget wins so you know it's not either that's not an exact science but you know from my point of view I, it's it's a bit of a red herring it's kind of something we need to drop for me I, I don't really we, we, we go on about it all the time it's question one off a lot of people's lips but um, you know I, I, I don't 
it doesn't concern me. And if it did, I probably wouldn't be the chief executive. I, you know, people who know me closely would know that I wouldn't stand in front of something I didn't believe in, even if it cost me in the, personally. I would just walk away from it. You know, I'll be honest with you. So um, that's never happened. I've never considered that, and we've had some pretty tough times since I joined the club in 2018. So um, no, I'm 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 comfortable uh, from my perspective. Is is probably more engaged now since I've been in charge of the clubs, purely and simply because. I've opened that line of communication with him very clearly, you know, um, and that's no disrespect to Julian who were there before, but Julian previously owned Bradford City, probably didn't need someone uh, working that closely with him or, or, or felt it was required at the time. But, you know, from my point of view, the owner needs to be engaged at all time. It's his business. It's not mine. Um, and the de decisions that are taken by me and my staff ultimately could cost him massively if it gets, if it doesn't work out. So, you know, on, without question, you know, um, we're constantly conversing, and I certainly haven't. If anything, I've noticed more of enga more engagement um, in the last twelve months. A lot of fans believe that, due to your background uh, in rugby league, where you've come from, to do our social media uh, and where you come from, um, that you may not have the uh, necess necessary experience or knowledge uh, required to do the role at Bradford City. So, as you probably would have expected, a lot of fans were surprised uh, when you got promoted from. Uh, the role you were in before to being the CEO. Um, so I, I will admit I was one of them at the time. I was very surprised. Um, when you look at your football club and they promote somebody that I thought was a social media guy into a CEO, you're thinking, what's what's going on? So that's me just being totally honest. Um, so what, what can you say about that one, uh, Ryan, and sort of how you found it over the last few years, sort of going from doing the role you were doing before to CEO at Bradford City? No, I mean, look, um, it's not really down to me to tell to decide who, if I'm fit and capable to do a job. You know, I was put in, put in place by a guy that owned the football club when you were promoted from League 2 to League 1 and took you to FA Cup matches and Cup finals and whatnot. So if he thinks I'm good enough to, to do the job, then really, if I'm honest with you, that's all that actually matters to me. Let's not be daft. I knew that when that announcement was going to be made, I knew it was coming. It wasn't the best day of my life. I think that is just society, you know, where where sometimes things are, people write people off, and I understand that. You know, I mean, my CV didn't say chief executive before this one. Um, I'd like to think it will say that again in the future, uh, be it here or elsewhere, wherever life takes me, you know. So this is what I wanted to do, you know, when I was 16. I don't know what you guys wanted to do when you were 16, but this is what I wanted to do. And at some point, someone has to give you an opportunity. So... That's the answer to that question, really. You know, I mean, I know what I'll be judged on. I'll be judged on the state of the business that one day I'll leave behind and what's happened in it since I've been in charge. And I'm not, as, as like a manager, really, you know, you're prepared to be judged on your success or failings. And it's like, I, I think that goes for any member of staff in the business, you know, whether you're the commercial director, the retail manager or the football manager, you know, you will ultimately be judged on what you deliver or you don't. So while I understand scepticism, that comes with a lot of things in life. Uh, what I will say is quite a few different things were on my mind when I was 16-year-old, to be honest with you, Ryan. But um, I really <laughs> I really appreciate and respect your answer there. So Mark Hughes came in. I thought, I don't think... I think everybody was surprised. There was never even a rumour in the slightest. I'm not going to lie. I was in a meeting at work. I saw the tweet and I was like, who's this fake account now? I'm sick and tired of this. So obviously we know the story about the junk mail. However, obviously with Mark, we needed to convince him. How did we get Mark Hughes to come to this mm. football club? Well, I think to be, to be quite honest with you, you know, for me, talking about it, the job, right? 
my job, that job. When, when you work in sport, it's not really a job. You know, it's sort of a way of life. You know, ask, the, ask your family, you know, the families around the people. They'll tell you that. It's a bit of um, a lifestyle, in a good way and a bad way, of course. And um, so, to be quite honest with you, when I met Mark, it, it was never a case of convincing him. You know, pulling the wool and, 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 and bending the truth was never going to work because, you know, I needed him to understand what he was going to walk into. And if I'm honest with you, I probably undersold as much as I could um, to, to give to give the reality of the situation. But in the, in the same breath, I was quite clear in, in that, that he's actually would be coming into an excellent situation, in my opinion, a business that's in a good position, a fan base that's desperate for success, an off-field department that's desperate to help deliver it. You know, so it was really honest honesty. I would say that that gets there in the end. You know, we we had a. I felt when I met Mark for the first time, we were on the same page. Um, and I, and, I, and I left his house that night when we met, not knowing really what would happen. But I knew that I'd been honest with him, and 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 and, he, and you know he he rang. I spoke to him the next day, and he said, "Right, let's do it." You know, and um, obviously I went on that night to get battered by Harrogate at home three one, which was difficult. But I, I was in a probably quite a dark place that night, but I also knew what was coming. Um, and um, I guess just being able to lift the cloud on the Thursday morning in the way in which we were able to do it immediately took the pressure off the business and, and, and allows us then to move forward. So, um, no, look, from my point of view, it's I'm really pleased he's here and Glyn, and there's something there's something in the air at the moment. Interesting that you say you went to his house. I just wanted to pick up on that one. Is that something that usually happens uh, when you're appointing managers? Because in my head, I feel like they come to the boardroom to discuss things. So was that a special because it was Mark Hughes and you wanted to get to his house as soon as possible before he sort of took the email back? Or, I mean, what was the situation with that one? Well, I mean, you've, you've said there about leaks and things like that and not wanting it to, you know, if you, it's a professional way of doing it because ultimately, Mark, it would have been a conversation that I don't think would have been appropriate to have at Valley Parade, certainly in them circumstances. Mark's comfortable in his own home, of course, and he, I get to meet the real Mark Hughes as well. So, you know, that's that. that really, it's not a job interview, really. It was it was a strange one. You can probably appreciate the kind of conversation that we had, and I knew we were going to have that conversation the Friday before the Oldham game. So there was a lot of questions that I needed to ask, and and there were probably some that he needed to ask too. But you know, like I say, from the start, I felt I could see I could see it, and um, I'm obviously pleased he decided to come and do the job. You know. Just signed the deal with Macron. You see, you know, the club seem to be very excited about it. Very lucrative deal. When are we going to find out about the kits? Are we allowed to know yet, or is it going to be soon? Are we going to know? Yeah, anything? I mean, we should we should be good for the middle of June. You know, initially we talked about June the fourteenth. That might slide by 24, 48 hours. Anything up to a week, but I'd like to think we are going to be all right for the fourteenth. It's just the way the world is at the moment. Everything's just slow. We've got the kit um, starting to come through now. It's just the the new store that's just a little bit behind where we wanted it to be. But no, we're, we're, we're excited about the deal. You know, it's going to be good. The way we've been treated so far and, and the level of detail and respect they've shown the football club for me is fantastic. You know, they've got Nottingham Forest who are now in the Premier League. They've got teams everywhere. You know, Grimsby are now back in League Two, you know, and, you know, the, the, the sort of family that they have of clubs right through to the top of Syria and the Bundesliga, and, and and yet they treat us um, in the same vein. Um, it'll be it'll be very good for the football club, in my view. I think the kits will be extremely well received, and um, hope, hopefully, anyway, you know, certainly a lot of work gone into them, and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. But they're, they're great, they're great for the football club. It's a long term deal, 
and uh, I think it'll benefit Bradford City for many, many years. Just on them kits, when you say June the 14th, like the couple of days after it, or it could be, is that going to be all of them? Because traditionally we've seen like one kit release and then the next one and the one after. Is that going to be the same sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we like doing that, yeah. Yeah, I like that as well. And any, <laughs> and any, uh, can you give us any kind of hint on anything about the kits or any, like the aways? Because obviously we've seen the the track tops and the the t-shirts that have been very well received. Uh, real like the track top that Levi had on. Uh, anything you can give us? Any little hints? Yeah, that that, that stuff there is the training wear. The, the the travel wear that the players have is quite is very nice. That's fully bespoke, so that'll be claret and amber. I can confirm there'll be claret and amber on all three kits. Um, to some degree, you know my thoughts on that. I'm big on our colours and I, I can't really understand why you won't carry them as far as you can when you're the only club in the country that wears them. Um, again, strong goalkeeper kit that could be a, a fourth kit if you want to call it one. So now there's there's a little bit there, but, um, you know, home, home kit, you know, we all have our opinions on that. Um, obviously, before my time, the kit I was traditionally white before, my, before I was born, well, sometime before I was born, actually, and I thought it was very well received this year. Uh, high selling Avex shirt in five seasons, which I thought was interesting. I'm a big fan of it personally. Um, I thought it was a great kit. Unfortunately, it didn't count for a bit more. Uh, it won't be remembered for much in the end, but uh, that's given us something that we can perhaps go back to again, I think, in the future. But we will be um, tradition. I think modern tradition is what I would say in terms of the, the look and feel, but classic, very classic kit, very strong kit. Is that all the way through then? So classic kit for the home away in third or? I think we'll stick there on home for that. All, all I will say is, my, personally, I think the, first, the the away kit will will be a, a very different one for us, but carry primary colours. Um, and, and the third kit, in my opinion, is actually extremely strong. A very strong kit. Wear, very wearable. And that's a big thing for Macron because obviously they're trying to sell lots of shirts and make lots of money for us. That's great. Right. So last last question, Ryan. And for this bit, I think I'm going to ask everyone this question. So you walk into a restaurant and you find out it's a magic restaurant. OK. And they can serve every meal that you've ever eaten or ever want to eat. What are you having for your starter? What are you having for your main? And what are you having for dessert? Jesus. <laughs> well, it's a sticky toffee pudding for dessert every time. A main. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Bradford boy, so we've got to stay on curry on the mains. That makes the starter difficult, you know, at that point. So probably, I don't know, man, we might have to skip the starter or just keep it. We'd have to stay Indian, I think. If we mix it up, it could be bad. Ryan, oh, so, sorry, we're going to have to push you on the curry. This is very important to Bradford. Oh, yeah, what sort, it's what sort of curry? Yeah, I'm not a Vindaloo guy. I'm not going to pretend I'm a Jalfrezi guy. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a coma. You got to give me that. It's not a coma, but it's, it's mid-table. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, just one last thing as well. Um, we haven't paid Ryan to do this, but the way he's been sat the whole way through this event, the actual little hat's been perfectly uh, positioned on your head. So, yeah. so you'll, you'll all notice that in the video. You look fantastic, mate. And it's wow. great. It's great for our branding. So, thank you very much. <laughs> it could be I mean, on a t-shirt. I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Ryan, where would you rank our uh, mascot currently out of all mascots? Top. The best mascot in the league by a mile. Wow. That surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> I, quite like that, um, I quite like the boiler that I think did Walsall. used to have a boiler running around the pitch. I'm sure I saw that. A yeah, hot, point, hot point boiler. I thought it was fantastic. The Scottish club as well, is it? Party Pistol have like a big, like, 
weird star thing as well. That's, yeah, a, that's we, had, um, we had a pit pony at my old club, Featherston, you know, a bit of a coal mining area. So yeah. firstly, the pit pony, which was probably the best one I've ever seen. In my, I'll be honest with you, that was outstanding. But uh, Billy Bantam's, yeah, he's the one. He's the one. Just one more question I've got. <laughs> so, Kian, how much of a bonus did he get for getting off that bus and kissing badge? Um, you know, a town player do that. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think that just sums up Kean. You know, he, he wouldn't have meant any offence to anyone at Huddersfield. He's he's a passionate boy. You know, I mean, three days prior, he's at Wembley, scoring possibly, you know, nearly a hat trick. If we're being honest with you, and mm. um, the way he handled that occasion was a massive tick box for us. That was why we went to see it. And um, he's a passionate boy. You know, I mean, we first met Kean Harrett uh, a while ago, and when we did, he, you could see the the desire he had to play football and, the, you know, he's got some family, I think, and friends that are Bradford City fans and he wants to represent the football club. But the one thing that guy's not going to need is an invitation, you know what I mean? He's deadly serious about us and uh, he's going to, you know, part, he's gonna, it's going to be um, a real character around the place and, and good teams need characters. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. No, no, um, I, I don't, like I say, uh, I think the media guys... Threw, the, threw it on him with the uh, the because we have an agreement we have a, a yeah. partnership with first bus and they thought it'd be a nice touch um, and then the rest of it I'm sure I, as far as I'm aware it was improvised so he did it he did it he did it off the cuff um, yeah but yeah I know it's funny we were saying the other day like these sort of characters are going out of football a little bit do you know the the comedians and the ones that are a bit silly but maybe yeah, they're not no, maybe they're not no I think I think. I must admit, when I when I met Jay, um, sorry, when I met Keen for the first time, that that came over. You know, he's very, very, um, he's a very honest boy, and he and he's he's unique in the sense that he's not he is what he is. You know, he's, and 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 again, the society we live in, it's not that players don't have character; or they, they don't want to talk. You know, I see them closely. Sometimes players are concerned about you know the bigger picture all the time, and I understand that as well because they've got to protect their own careers. And um, I guess that. It's a shame, really, because it's a world of social media we live in. You know, they're very careful what they say. They're very careful how they act. They're very careful who they talk to. Um, and so is Kean, but there's certainly an honesty about him. And uh, he's just got he's got a very good attitude. You know, he's, he's infectious and he's, uh, he's like um, <laughs> a rabbit in the hat. You know, we've got to keep him in the box kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, I think yeah. if we were starting the season, if we were starting the season tomorrow morning, he would uh, he would be happy with that. Can't wait to see him. Absolutely delighted. So just to just to, I think we shall sign off there. Um, but just on behalf of myself and Chris at the City event, thank you very much for joining us, Ryan. We really appreciate your company. Cheers, boys. Thank you. City event. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.